What's next for the Minnesota Vikings after the Kirk Cousins injury? We talk about that and so much more coming up next here on Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker, the host of Locked On Ravens and one of the many NFL experts here on our network. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms. That includes over in video form on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts in audio form. And thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen each and every day as we dive in to the biggest stories around the league from the Week 8 Sunday action. It was another doozy of a slate, plenty of crazy games, unexpected contributors. We're going to get into all that here today. In the first part of the show, Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings is going to join us to talk about Kirk Cousins. Obviously a very unfortunate situation for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. We're going to talk about what the future holds for the team. Then we'll move on, talk about the Tennessee Titans with Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans, about Will Levis and how he stepped up to the plate, led the Titans to a huge one over the Atlanta Falcons. And finally, we'll talk with Sarah Bedinger of Locked On Broncos about the Broncos' huge win, divisional win over the Kansas City Chiefs in Week 8. So without any further ado, let's first get into our conversation with Luke Brown of Locked On Vikings. Well, the Minnesota Vikings defeated the Green Bay Packers 24 to 10 in week eight, but that was not nearly the biggest storyline of the game here to talk about that. And more with me is Luke Braun, the host of Locked on Vikings and Luke. We'll, we'll get to the game a little bit, but obviously the big story is Kirk Cousins tearing his Achilles. The replay comes out. Everybody knows immediately what it is based off of previous injuries that we've seen across the league so far this year, but it puts a damper on this win and honestly puts a damper on the Minnesota season where does Minnesota go from here with Cousins being out for the year and potentially with his long-term future now in doubt in Minnesota, maybe across the league with what comes next for him? There's so many conflicted, weird thoughts, um, at least going through my head. And it's it's happened about an hour and a half ago, real time as we recorded it. So I'm still kind of processing. But here's the the thought, I guess. The, the conflicting thoughts are like, look, Kirk's out, season's over, right? Assuming it is the Achilles that the Vikings fear and that it sure as heck looked like. That's the season. We did, we don't, we're not going to go win the Super Bowl with Nick Mullins, but I, or maybe, I don't know, weirder stuff's happened. Nick Foles won one, right? Um, so there's part of it's that, and then you look at it, well, they're on a three-game winning streak. Jordan Addison is breaking out. Justin Jefferson's coming back soon. Well, maybe they do just want to get a little bit of a point guard to, and, and that's all Kirk Cousins ever said he was, right? So what if we call Tennessee and say, hey, I, you know, Will Levis had a great game. What do you want to do about Tannehill? You know, maybe we call Arizona, see what happens there and try to salvage this. And then there's also this world where they say, actually, now, you know what? The season has been weird. We were a little unlucky. Now Kirk's gone. He's, he's, you know, they'll, they'll revisit the contract with him still. They still will probably have that conversation. Um, but maybe we go, you know what? Screw it. Who wants Daniel Hunter? Who wants Ezra Cleveland? Who wants all these other guys? There are certain pieces that are going to be part of the next chapter, right? Like you're not going to trade away Justin Jefferson. He's the guy you're building around, right? Um, and there are young players that are the core of the Vikings. And I think Addison is starting to become one of those guys. Daris, Christian Darisaw is one of those guys. So there's all these different directions they can go. The next 48 hours will be fascinating. By Wednesday, we'll know where the, where the team is at. And if they feel like 
you know, trying to make something of this like the Jets are doing just say, hey, hey, let's go with Zach Wilson. Maybe they do just let Jaron Hall take the reins and then Nick Mullins comes off IR. He'll be the backup once that happens. Maybe they do that, too. There's so many different ways. And I, I want to get your your opinion on what they should do. Let's say you are the decision sure. maker. Obviously, you're still processing everything that happened. But assuming Kirk's out for the year, which obviously seems very likely at this point. Are you buying a quarterback at the deadline? Are you selling those pieces as you talked about and just looking forward to next season? What would Luke Braun do in that situation? You know, it, it's hard for me to call a season quits ever, right? Until you're mathematically eliminated. It's really, really hard for me to say, ah, we'll pack it in. We're done. Uh, we'll fire sale. Um, especially because, I mean, if I were in charge, Daniil Hunter would be on a five-year deal right now instead of this one-year crap. And he would have signed it three years ago. Um so like, I, I want him to retire a Viking, right? I think he's always going to be worth that. Um, so I, I, I think if I were in charge, there's certain people that I would think, okay, who's part of the future in this organization? It's not nobody, right? We're not trading away Justin Jefferson. He's part of our future as much as he's part of our present. It's just TJ Hawkinson, all of those guys. Um, so what I would maybe do is I, I'd start calling around, see where the value is, right? If somebody's willing to give me somebody reasonable, for a for a, a mid round pick, you know something that doesn't break the bank. What I don't want to do is jeopardize my ability to get QB of the future for QB of the now. Right. The most important thing Quasi is going to do in his tenure as GM, true of any GM, is get the quarterback of the future. Who's it going to be? Are you drafting someone? Are you trading for you know the farm for Kyler Murray? Who's it, who's your guy? Cousins is the guy he inherited. Are you buying into him? Is he your guy too? Um, Whatever they do, don't trade two first round picks for Ryan Tannehill and then go, well, now we can't draft a quarterback, right? Don't do that. If that's the price for somebody like Tannehill, then say thanks, but no thanks, Tennessee. But if you can get him for a third or a second and a third or something like that, that doesn't really, you know, you can still trade a whole bunch of first round picks and move up in the first round and do what you want to do there, but still be reasonable there. I think that's the, the outcome that feels the best to me, at least instant reaction. Um, but I'm curious to see what the Vikings plan is. And if I can then kind of reverse engineer from there and say, okay, all right, that's what they're thinking. Right. And to me, it's not only the Vikings side of this, but the Kirk Cousins side of it too, where this was a quarterback playing for another contract, whether it be in Minnesota or somewhere else. And there are so many different viewpoints you can take it from, from his perspective. Right. And some of it is, well, where is his value now? Is this future in Minnesota for you, Luke? where were you before this injury with Kirk and then where are you now and what would it kind of take for you to have him back in Minnesota? And what do you think his value was going to be league wide? Yeah. My thing going into the year was this is the year where he proves it because it seemed to me like the, the Vikings had an opportunity to extend him after the season last year, they had lengthy extension talks in camp and didn't get something done. Now he's slated to be a free agent. And they said, we're going to revisit this in February and March, which to me screams prove it Kirk. Go prove it, and then we'll see if you, if you can change the texture of this conversation with your play in 2023, then we'll change our minds. Otherwise, we're not going to give you what you uh, had. And the, and the reporting at the time was that Cousins had actually given the Vikings an offer and said, I'll sign this contract. What do you guys think of it? And it was pretty reasonable. It was less than Daniel Jones is making right now. Um, and they said no to that. So to me, that, that means the Vikings are ready to move on unless Kirk Cousins actively plays so well you just cannot justify letting him go and i'm talking they go to the super bowl that kind of thing well if that's going to be impossible now my guess is that he goes into free agency and we see the market and i don't think the door closes right but maybe he goes into free agency he doesn't get the market he thinks 
a lot harder coming off an Achilles when you're in your late thirties, right? We'll see where that goes. And then maybe, you know, you call them back and say, Hey, the context has changed here. You want to revisit this conversation. I think that's a perfectly reasonable way to go about it. But my guess is that the Vikings are going to move their eyes forward. And it's the next guy, whether that guy, who knows, maybe Jaron Hall has a breakout three games and oh my God, where'd we find this guy? Right. Certainly stranger things have happened looking at you, San Francisco. Um, so maybe there's something like that, or maybe they bring in somebody that, okay, now this is the Vikings guy. Uh, we'll kind of just have to wait and see. There's so many different angles that can happen. It's like impossible to really predict anything right now. Major shout out to Luke. And hopefully the Vikings can figure out what their future is. And obviously a wishing a speedy recovery to Kirk cousins, more on Luke's work. Check them out over the locked on Vikings podcast, part of locked on podcast network, your team every day. Coming up in the second part of the show, Tyler Rowland of locked on Titans will join us to talk Will Levis and more. So be sure to stay tuned. Lots to get to on the show. First, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. And our partners at eBay Motors, they've teamed up with Locked On Fans as well by Jose Benayar to bring us some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. And I'm a big fantasy guy. So whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to be providing you the players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who's Vinny's picked out for us in this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And a really good reclamation story has been Kendrick Bourne, Patriots wide receiver. He's been reestablished as the top target the past three weeks with Mac Jones, catching 19 to 22 total targets for 188 yards and two touchdowns. New England's passing game has been revived, and Bourne's been the biggest beneficiary of that. It's the team's top outside target. He should stay hot in a nice matchup against the Commanders, secondary at home in Week 9, one that mightily struggled against the Eagles receivers last week. And Vinny Iyer from Lockdown Fantasy Football Game is going to help you win your fantasy championship at eBay Motors. Knows championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. That's the same thing with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. And they have everything over at eBay Motors from brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your ride needs, eBay Motors has it for you. Plus, with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or you get your money back. Plus, at the prices they have over there, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. The eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to US customers. All rides only through supply. We're back here. It's our second seven of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostraker still talking with you here. We talked Vikings in the first segment. Now we're talking Titans in the second segment with Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans as well. Levis took the league by storm in his first NFL start. So we'll talk about that with Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans now. The Tennessee Titans... They picked up a major win under Will Levis, their rookie quarterback against the Atlanta Falcons, 28 to 23. And here to talk about that and celebrate the Titans on this show is Tyler Rowland, the host of Locked On Titans. And Tyler, this was a game coming into it. Ryan Tannehill out. There were some questions about how the Titans would manage the quarterback position between Will Levis and Malik Willis. And I'll say it went pretty good for Tennessee in this game. Will Levis shows out four touchdowns, 19 to 29. Derrick Henry, 100 yards rushing, and DeAndre Hopkins, yes, four receptions, three touchdowns. So I th I'd say <laughs> overall a very good game for Will Levis. How do you kind of break down how this went for Tennessee? Well, this is as monumental of a win you can get while being at two and four in the middle of a season. Like, this win is not just big for the Titans getting the season back on track. I mean, the Titans are three and four now instead of two and four. 
have a Thursday night football game this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers that if they find a way to win, they get a mini buy in the middle of the season. They're at four and four. They have a, a manageable schedule with a lot of division games down the road. They can absolutely turn this season around, especially if they get improved quarterback play, which it looks like they could get from Will Levis. But obviously, we're not going to bury the lead much longer. This is huge for the future of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, a lot of people coming into this year didn't have high hopes for the Titans, whether it be locally, whether it be nationally, and for good reason. And the real question about this season is, do the Titans have a quarterback on the roster that they can count on in the future and they can build around either in Levis, most likely, or maybe Will Levis, who knew what would happen. And if they don't, they need to still try to go get a quarterback in this draft. They need to get the best draft pick they can. Well, I think although this is just one game, I think Will Levis did things in this game that aren't just a flash in the pan. They're not things that aren't repeatable for Will Levis. I think the Titans have their quarterback of the future, but they also have their quarterback of the present and Will Levis. So not only, and, and there are different layers to this to contextualize it. You said Tannehill hurt. Obviously they're two and four. They trade Kevin Byard. Are the Titans selling? Are the Titans tanking? What's happening with the future of this team? For Will Levis to come in when they're wearing the Houston Oilers jerseys against Arthur Smith, who some people say the Titans would be better off if they would have kept Arthur Smith and fired Mike Vrabel against Arthur Smith's team at home in the Oiler uniforms on a homecoming weekend for the Titans with 170 alumni in the building. This was huge for this franchise, this day, this moment for Will Levis to come out and do it. I think, again, more importantly than anything, this is a great win to get the Titans season back on track at home. But bigger than anything, it looks like Levis is a guy where you could start to build around him and use the cap space, use the draft picks to build around this guy. It looks like he has it. And I want to dive deeper into the Levis performance. Were there things, Tyler, in this game that maybe mm -hmm. on the scouting report coming out of college or things you saw throughout training camp in the preseason? Were there things in this game he did so much better than you thought he could do at this stage in his career? Yeah, 100%. I think one of the big things that people talked about were turnover-worthy plays, accuracy problems. Levis had one pass where he was really just trying to throw it away and throw it at his tight end's feet, and he left it a little high, and Atlanta Falcons defender almost went down and got it. I think that's one thing that you were worried about, but other than that one play, he didn't put the ball in jeopardy at all, uh, hit his guys that were open, made the right play. There were decision-making circumstances. I think a lot of times Levis has been guilty of in college trying to make too much happen, trying to put it all on his shoulders, trying to make the big play. There were a few times, one play um, at the end of the game, third and four, the Titans try to play action, catch the Falcons off guard, get a quick first down. It would end the game. They'd be able to run out the clock. The Falcons are all over it. It's not there. Levis could throw it out of bounds. Levis could try to force it to a guy, maybe force a turnover. Instead, he just falls to the ground, takes the sack, forces the Falcons to burn one of their timeouts. It's a small play that won't show up in the box score as anything but a negative play and a sack, but it was a smart play for rookies out there. Changing the play, canning the play, devil, devil, Vegas, Vegas, making the reads, understanding the defense, pre-snap and post-snap. Those are things that you thought would translate from college. And then ultimately, the big knock on Levis says, yeah, he's got the velocity. He's got the cannon arm. Can he throw with touch? Can he throw... 
you know, layered passes. Well, there was one play on a third and short where they run a play action to Henry and then Henry goes out into the flat. Levis could drill it home and Henry doesn't have the surest hands of all time, but instead Levis just floats it to Henry. An easy catchable ball, didn't need anything special. Henry's just able to secure it, get a first down on a third and one to keep a drive going where you ultimately score a touchdown. Like those are small plays. But they are the things like you're talking about that people worried about with Levis coming out of college. Turnover-worthy plays, accuracy, touch passes. He showed it all, and obviously this is his first game ever. It's only going to get better, and it makes you not to, you know, question things, but why is Mike Rabel trying to rotate in quarterbacks? Why has Will Levis been inactive for six games when he might be the clear best quarterback on the roster? These are all questions worth asking, but for today... We're celebrating that the Tennessee Titans won a football game and look like they may have a young quarterback that they can build around. And those questions, I guess, can wait for another day. <laughs> All right. And I know that with the trade deadline coming up on Tuesday, mm-hmm. Tyler, the Titans already got busy trading Kevin Byard to the Philadelphia yep. Eagles. But there were questions about Derrick Henry, whether he was going to be on the move. The Titans are going to mm-hmm. continue selling off these veteran pieces. But now you get this performance from Will Levis. And now the Titans are in a spot right. where you can say, well, you know, a wild card spot or, you know, just a spot in the playoffs might not be as far out of reach as maybe we once thought it was. Right. Do you think that the Titans should hold Pat or maybe even be buyers to maybe put a couple pieces around this team? Or should they try to sell off a couple guys who might not be a part of the long-term future and just see what they can do this season? I think they certainly shouldn't be buyers. I'm excited about what the Titans might be able to do going forward. But at the end of the day, the good news is Will Levis might be good, but this roster is still not a Super Bowl roster. And I believe you only trade off draft capital if you're truly able to get a Super Bowl. So for the Titans, don't be buyers, but they don't have to sell in the way that they needed to before. Whereas they may take a fourth round pick for Derrick Henry or fifth round pick for Derrick Henry if they would have lost this game. Now I think, hey, we're going to need a third. You know, we're going to need a fourth depending on fifth, fourth, third, fourth, you know what I mean? We're going to need a little bit better because we want to help our rookie quarterback and we're three and four and we could make a playoff push in the AFC South with two games left against Jacksonville, five division games left, and and a manageable schedule. I wouldn't be as willing to sell, but I'll be honest with you, this may be a hot take. But if I'm the Titans, I still consider trading Derrick Henry if you do get somebody to bump up their price. If the Baltimore Ravens, a team you know, obviously, Kevin, the Buffalo Bills, the Dallas Cowboys, if one of those teams come knocking and say, hey, we would only given you a fourth, but now we want, we'll want we give you a third to get it done. I still think if the Titans can get a third-round pick out of Derrick Henry, they need to do it regardless because I think Tajay Spears is good. And again, this team's not winning a Super Bowl, so let's not kid ourselves here based on this performance. Like, I, I am going to project the Titans to lose their next game in Pittsburgh on a short week. Uh, I think the last time that the Titans beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, I didn't even have a driver's license. All right? So um, I, I wouldn't get crazy if I was the Titans, but I wouldn't take yesterday's price isn't today's price. I wouldn't trade Hopkins at all. You want to keep Hopkins to help Levis continue to grow. But if you could maybe move Derrick Henry still, I would consider it. But I wouldn't be buyers, and I wouldn't accept the price that you would have accepted yesterday. 
Tyler's excited and, and I'm super happy for him. Plus he wants me to be the messenger. We talked after, and he wants me to mention the maybe Ryan Tannehill to the Vikings. What, what, what's, what could that look like with the Kirk cousin situation we talked about in the first segment. So Tyler just wanted me to make that point quickly at the end of his segment, but Tyler's work. You can find him over on locked on Titans podcast and here on locked on NFL part of locked on podcast network, your team every day coming up on the final part of the show. We'll be talking Broncos with Sarah Benger of locked on Broncos. Be sure to stay tuned. Last to get to on the show. First, this episode is brought to you by DoorDash. And there have been so many times for me where the game is in a break and I've wanted to get food and get up and get a snack, but there's no food. DoorDash is a really great alternative for that because whether the game went to timeout, you have other stuff to get to halftime, there's a clock stoppage. All that you can order with DoorDash. Anytime there is a stoppage, DoorDash is a place where you can get your favorites especially when you're talking local places like here in Baltimore, where I am, we have underground pizza company, which is awesome. Daily sushi, which is great too. They have a ton of options over on DoorDash. Plus it's really great because you can get 50% off up to a $10 value. When you spend $15 or more on your first order, when you download the DoorDash app and you enter code lock 23 subject to change terms apply. So you get a great deal. You can order pizza, wings, soda, burgers. You can get snacks like chips and dip nachos. You can kick back at kickoff with unbeatable deals and everything you need for the watch party or a tailgate. So get prepared before game day. You can stock up on your favorite advertisers and order all your, all your tailgate gear on DoorDash. Then get ready to watch your team win again. Get 50% off up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and it's code LOCK23, subject to change terms apply. Again, that's 50% off of the $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app. And enter code LOCK23, subject to change terms apply. Don't forget to use the code LOCK23, 50% off of the $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more, subject to change terms apply. We're back here rounding out this final segment of Locked On NFL here on Monday. Kevin Oshaker still talking with you here. Again, really appreciate everybody for making us your first listen each and every day. And be sure to check out all of the amazing shows across our network if you're looking for a specific team. We give a little teases here in 10-minute spurts on Mondays, but everybody across the network does a great job. But let's now get in to our final segment with Sarah Benger of Locked On Broncos as the Broncos take down the defending Super Bowl champions and their division rival, the Kansas City Chiefs, in Week 8. Let's talk about it now. The Denver Broncos picking up their second straight one, and this one was a big one against the Kansas City Chiefs. Here to talk about that with me, Sarah Bedinger, one of the hosts over at Locked On Broncos. And Sarah, I know we were talking off the air. I'm happy that we get to do this because usually when I have you on here, it's, well, what what went wrong with Denver this time? But this was a good day for not only the Denver Broncos, Denver Nuggets picking up a blowout win over the Oklahoma City Thunder. So with my Nuggets fan, I'm like, I got to slide that in there quickly. But let's talk about this Broncos team, Sarah, because Russell Wilson only throws for 114 passing yards, and the Broncos win by two scores. I know the headlines were Mahomes coming in with the illness. Is this going to be the flu game for Patrick Mahomes? Well, it was not, as Denver held that Kansas City offense in check. Patrick Mahomes throws those two interceptions. Fumbles across the board for Kansas City, too. How did Denver pull this one out? They finally did the what to, to the Kansas City Chiefs, what the Kansas City Chiefs have pretty consistently done 
to the Broncos, right? They forced a lot of unforced errors, to, so to speak. You know, you you get the punt coverage down there quickly on a, a kick to Nicole Hardman. He muffs the punt. You're there to recover it. You get an opportunity to strip sack Mahomes instead of the Chiefs offensive line falling on the ball. You fall on the ball. So you take advantage of a few opportunities. You create opportunities for yourself and you build in a little bit of margin for error, right? Because it certainly wasn't a perfect game for the Denver Broncos, especially offensively, but defensively, you see the turnaround happening since that 70 point game, Kevin. I mean, obviously they followed it up with kind of a bit of a dud against the bears. They gave up four touchdowns to Justin Fields in the first half of that game. But really since the second half of that bears game, Broncos have been putting the clamps on defensively, gave up 19 to Kansas city a couple weeks ago, gave up 17 to green Bay last week and nine to the chiefs again on Sunday. So really see a turnaround for the defense there. And that defense is really the reason why the Broncos won this game. And I know that, you know, with Denver, the way their season has gone, and obviously the way last season went for them, they've been looking for any positives and a win against the chiefs. It's their second straight takes them to three and five on the season. What does a win like this mean for Denver's season and what it could end up being this year? Well, I mean, they're three and five, right? But it, it feels way better to be three and five than a couple of weeks ago. People are wondering, are they going to go into the bye week at one and seven? And what will that mean? Like, are they going to be in contention for the number one overall pick? The discussion has definitely changed. I think just in the few clips that I've seen, it feels like the vibe in the locker room has really changed. The, so many of the players in Denver right now have been just waiting for something like desperately waiting for a victory like this to 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 feel like they could actually make a run if they you know if they continue to string together wins. The the winning feeling in Denver has not really existed since. 2015 2016 when they were nine and seven i guess but it just it, they haven't had a victory like this and i don't know how long i mean they've had a couple of cool wins against dallas back in 2021 they had one and they've, they've had a couple of wins here and there but nothing that really stands out especially like this one against the defending super bowl champions it's a signature win for the broncos could it be their super bowl this year maybe but at the same time, Sean Payton wanted to flip the switch, and I think now we're seeing that that could actually be possible. And it felt like the Broncos really leaned into the the run game in this one. Javante Williams with 27 carries. Obviously, his comeback has been a huge focal point for Denver this season as they look to just ramp him up continuously. I know Jaleel McLaughlin's had a role in that Denver rushing attack as well. But with the way the weather kind of played out and all the headlines that were made of that early in the game, was this game script kind of what you expected? You know, I think so. You want to see them really run the ball well, and they did that. I mean, they kind of were force-feeding Javante Williams a little bit in this game, whether that was via the run, via the pass. They wanted to emphasize him and the way that he's been playing lately. So that did kind of go according to plan. Now, really, with Javante playing better, you hope that that opens things up for the vertical passing game, and that still hasn't really happened. The Broncos were able to take a couple of shots in this game, but missed a few others. Too much uh, waiting, I guess you could say, by Russell Wilson with the ball led to some ball security issues. He fumbled the ball twice, gave one up to the Chiefs as well, took a few too many sacks out there. So really, you want to see the running game opening things up for the passing game, but the Broncos seem to be kind of stalled there. But I think for the most part, the game, the game plan was you want to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. I don't have the stats handy here, Kevin, but I think the Broncos 
effectively did that. I think they kept the ball out of his hands pretty well in terms of that time of possession battle. Matter of fact, as I as, as I look it up right now, Broncos 33 minutes, 47 seconds, Chiefs 26 minutes. So that really was a difference in this game. You want to keep the ball out of his hands and then force turnovers when he does have it. Yeah, and I know that with what you were talking about earlier, Sarah, about, well, what if this team goes in to the bye one and seven? What, what does that kind of look like? for the future of the season. That's probably full sell mode for the most part for most of your pieces. But now you're three and five. You're feeling good about two straight wins. Trade deadline's coming up on Tuesday. Does Denver all of a sudden become mega buyers? Are they still trying to sell some pieces off of the deadline? What would you do if you were in Denver's shoes right now? What do you expect them to do? I really hope that they're selectively aggressive is the way that I'll put it. Right. I mean, I don't think you do a full on fire sale like people were calling for a few weeks back. I, and I don't even know if you trade away, you know, like Jerry Judy is one of the more prominent guys to pop up on the rumor mill right now. I don't know if you even trade him unless you're getting a really good offer. Remember, Jerry Judy still under contract for next year. In fact, most of the guys that have popped up for the Denver Broncos and trade deadline rumors, they're all under contract next season. That's kind of a rare thing. You see a lot of guys on expiring deals get traded at the deadline. Most of the guys that are popping up for Denver are under contract next year. So the team could, if they're getting low ball offers for these players, man, they could just say, you know what? We're not going to do that. We're going to wait to the offseason, reevaluate, let the chips fall how they may this year. And we can still get a low ball offer for these guys in the offseason. We're not playing games, right? So I think be selectively aggressive. Don't trade your first round pick. You need to keep that. You don't have a second round pick. What can you do? We see a lot of late round pick swaps guys that can go actually help teams. You see a lot of teams making those types of trades. I don't think we'll see the Broncos get so aggressive that they trade maybe their third round pick to get somebody. But if somebody can help the team and it's a late round pick swap, I think be selectively aggressive with those types of moves. Sarah does a great job over on Lockdown Broncos. Check them out over there. Part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. That's all I have for you here today on Lockdown NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming up tomorrow, more NFL content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on Lockdown NFL.